Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of I Am a Student of Life with your host, Christine Rene. Today's episode is special because it is Father's Day. It's the day of the year where we celebrate most of the extraordinary men in our lives, our fathers, who wear many hats as our protectors, guardians, heroes, providers, pillars, and leaders. For the occasion, I have invited a special guest who is not only a father of four, but a computer programmer turned into a published author, Mr. Patrick Long, a passion that he has been pursuing throughout his life. Mr. Long's love for writing goes way back in his childhood in St. Louis, Missouri, where he was born and raised, and also raising his four children while being a supporter at the American Cancer Society and Campism at St. Louis University Chapter. His first book, Ordinarily Extraordinary, an international bestseller who received global five stars reviews at 95% and endorsement, is a nonfiction publication detailing his wife's battle with breast cancer and its effect on him, their children, and marriage. A raw, revealing, and instance real life tale. Since this episode is about celebrating fathers, let me welcome Mr. Patrick Long by saying Happy Father's Day and welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you with us. And how are you doing, Mr. Long? Oh, thank you. Thank you for that great introduction. It's awesome to be here. It's an honor to be here. And I thank you for this opportunity. Appreciate it. Well, the the pleasure is mine. So, Mr. Long, you have had the blessing to embrace fatherhood not only once, but four times in your life with three sons and one daughter. Can you please tell me what that journey had been like for you? And was fatherhood something that you always aspired to? Um. I don't know. I'd say I always aspired to it. Um, I think when I was younger, I just didn't think about it a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) I think I actually went through some really hard times in my life when I was younger. So just trying to live my own life was probably the primary thing on my mind for a while. But, um, you know, by the time I met my wife, Melanie, and, you know, we actually, you know, we spent some time together. We actually took about five years of being married. We didn't have kids right away. Wow. Before we actually had our first child. So, you know, Mm -hmm. the funny thing is I was a lot older. I think I was something like about 35 years old before I had my first kid. I wasn't like in my 20s or younger. Okay. You know, yeah. Once, you know, having that first child, it just changes your life. I mean, from the moment it all starts and it's just been awesome because I'm kind of a kid at heart myself. (laughs) I'm not the guy who walks around trying to act like a tough guy or something. I'm more, I'm, I'm more inclined to just be goofy and silly and have fun. So... Yeah, I absolutely love just like playing with my kids and goofing around with them. And, you know, it's kind of way I'm at heart. So I think fatherhood, I kind of take to very well in, in those regards. Oh, well, that that's great. Was four the goal? Were you always like thinking about the specific number when you decided to have kids or it just happened? No, it just kind of happened. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we, we, we just, uh, yeah, I think initially even we might have thought about having one or two less. But, I mean, I think the way things went, you know, having, yes. having the four just feels perfect. It's like, it just feels like your family and it just feels like the right number to me. As much as it's as much as much it's overwhelming and difficult now being on my own since she passed from breast cancer mm-hmm. and I'm on my own with them, it's still, they're just, they're the joy of my life, you know, they're just awesome. Yes. The, what I didn't mention in the introduction for uh, our listeners is that uh, you are a widower and single father. Unfortunately, like you just said, due to the fact that you had lost your beautiful wife and friend, Melanie, to breast cancer two years ago at 45 years old. 
a lot of times in our society we put the emphasis on the bravery and courage of single mothers than we do for single fathers how were you able to manage fatherhood alone after that oh it's a <clears throat> it's kind of a complex question because there's there's so many things that go into it um you know i think some of the key things if i can give you two or three key things to do um one is you know simplify like i think when she first passed and you're trying to run the household you feel like And you do need a certain amount of consistency. You don't want to just change up your world bluntly because that'd be harder on the kids. But there are things you can change. And sometimes you keep doing things the way you did them. And then one day I realized like to simplify a lot of things. And, you know, if I can share one specific thing real quick, that it might sound funny at first, but it's actually a really big deal, is like socks. <laughs> so, like, we, you know, every kid has all these socks and every sock has a little design on them. So every sock's different, right? Every pair is different. And you sit there and spend 10, 15 minutes when you do their laundry, just matching up all their socks. And figuring, oh, my God. So I know. Find the matching one and then you can't find the matching one. You get all frustrated. And one day it hit me. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. So I actually threw out all their socks and went and bought. So each kid, I picked like one sock and just bought, bought a multiple pair of that same sock. So every sock's identical. And each kid has a unique one. So when I'm doing laundry, I don't need to worry. I just take each sock, throw it in a pile, throw it in their drawer, and I'm done. And it it, it may sound funny at first to talk about socks, but this saves so many minutes, so much just frustration and annoyance and doing little a bunch of little things like that. Like, I kind of got rid of pajamas, too. So I'm like, you know, they don't need to wear a different pair of pajamas every night. It just makes more laundry. You know, simplify your life, knock things out of there that, that stress you out or even make you frustrated at all, because there's no need for it. It's, it's just, it's worth, you know, it's, and it's when you can do more of that in your life and get help. A second point is to get help. You know, I get other people helping out, like taking the kids for haircuts or doing things. Mm -hmm. Me, because I don't have to do those things, it helps the kids because they benefit from having other people in their life that they can. You know, like kind of like an alternate mom here and there, or, you know, like their aunts and just different people who can be part of their life. And it's not always just about me. And it, it's just better for everybody because people want to help out. So simplifying your life, getting help, you know, just lowering your stress levels, living in the moment, enjoying your life more than as you can because you don't have as much stress and anxiety. That That's all huge. That's just a huge part of it all. Well, that's, that's the best way to go. And what have you discovered about yourself during that time? And at any given time, did you ever doubt yourself as a man and as a father to take upon such task alone? Did I ever? I mean, I do every day. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what we do as parents, always questioning our abilities? I mean, in all seriousness, seriousness though, it's a nonstop struggle. I mean, you wonder every day, am I doing the right things? Because, you know, there's a lot. Like, I, I really believe the biggest thing of all And I think it's the biggest thing adults struggle with is our own self-esteem and our own confidence. You know, like feeling mm. love, feeling we're feeling we're deserving of success and love and we're worthy of all that and just feeling confident about yourself. And so, you know, the biggest thing I think I learned is for me to put myself in a position to try and feel that as much as possible and remind and reinforce those values all the time. But also as a parent, it changes your perspective because you realize that's the most important thing I can give my kids too. I know a lot of people, yes. even, you know, and I, I'm not saying that you don't need to discipline. Of course you do. And you need mm -hmm. to kids, but, it, but you know, at the same time, a lot of times if you're disciplined and challenging and that's what you're focused on, sometimes you don't even realize what you're doing. You're hurting their self-esteem and their confidence and their own feeling of being good enough and worthy. And, and, you know, I look back at my own life, like I went through some really hard times 
when I was younger. And I won't get into too much of the details of my story. I share this story in detail in my book as part of mm-hmm. the background so people you know, understand the perspective of everything that was happening. But in my early 20s, I was really kind of down and out, really hit rock bottom, hit a low point. And I had to turn my life around. And, and it came to this point where I just realized, like, why is anybody else more deserving of this than I am, you know? Yeah. Just that whole change in perspective turned my life around. And I think of my dad, who the same thing, they talk, I heard stories about him, that he was kind of like the class clown in his crew up when he was younger. When he got older, he, you know, he learned to believe himself and he became a little a legitimate rocket scientist. I mean, this guy, he worked on like Gemini, Mercury, space capsules and all this stuff. And my wow. sharing that is what, it, when I reflect on those things to myself, him, other people I've known, is I realize, you know, when people believe in themselves, they're going to do well. So as a parent realizing that and realizing the number one thing I can do and give my kids is their own self-esteem and feeling loved and their confidence. Because as long as they have that, you know, even if they're not doing great in school right now or whatever, when they have all that and the time comes that they find something they love, they want to do or be part of, they're going to embrace it. They're going to go after it. They're going to have the confidence to do it. And so that's really like the biggest focus for me, for myself and my kids, is just to keep your self-esteem, your confidence, your feelings of being loved maximized as best you can. Yes, and I think it's important, like you said, because the the interior work is important also because once you are in tune with yourself and connected with yourself, that's when you can give the best of yourself also. I know in your book that you talk about, uh, there's a title that you bring in the book where you talk about Mr. Mom, the single dad syndrome. Can you please elaborate for our listeners what that is? Yeah, I mean, obviously being a Mr. Mom or being a single dad, like, again, there's there's just so many challenges to it. And, you know, one of the things, another thing I always think about is there, when you're living this life now, there's no more rock, paper, scissors. Like, if you know the name, the game rock, paper, scissors, well, it was a thing with my wife and I that we used to sit there and, like, like let's say we were sitting there and a kid started screaming and crying in the basement. You know, you'd take turns who would go take care of it, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Times if we didn't know, like, whose turn it was because somebody had come up for a while, we'd rock, paper, scissors to see who had to go to it. Well, you know, there's no more rock, paper, scissors anymore. There's, I, I actually, my parents are, have all passed, and most of my, my grandparents and stuff all passed younger. So, I, you know, I don't have grandparents to fall back on. Nobody help out in that way. I do have friends and family who help out. Yeah, I haven't had the budget like for a nanny or anything. So it's really like, you know, almost all on me. You know, I do get some help and I probably need to get a little more. But, you know, when it's all on you, it's just that again, that's why I go back to what I said at the beginning, like simplify, get help because, you know, I'm responsible for everything. I got to get up in the morning and, you know, take care of the kids, get them ready for school. If anything happens throughout the day or they get sick, it's all on me to take care of. And, when you got to do all that you got to do everything both mom and dad do yes and then you there are times where you wish you could multiply yourself right because you still have to go make a living you still have Mm -hmm. to take care you know and you have to take time for yourself because if you Mm -hmm. don't get too stressed out and you're not going to be good for them Mm -hmm. so you know yeah there's a syndrome man that's why it's so important to learn like to set some boundaries and honestly i mean it, it maybe isn't the best word to use to say selfish like self-focused but you have to be selfish or self-focused at times you almost just have to tell them this is quiet time get away or you know get out of the house get somebody to babysit and take some time for yourself because if you don't you'll just go stir crazy and then you're not going to be loving them as much as you are and it's all going to be counterproductive and 
you know mm-hmm. so you really have to like not be afraid to ask for help and you got you can't you can't let yourself feel like you're being selfish if you take time for yourself sometimes you have to strike that balance yes and it's good also to take some sometimes too and based on the fact that like you know we we grew up in societies that praise patriarchal ideologies and were men's or raised not to be in touch with their emotions while you were facing all your adversities with your family how were you able to cope with loss and grief while facing your own personal trauma wow that's uh there's just so many ways i mean i think one of the biggest things you have to do is you have to set up kind of like a life where you're constantly reminding yourself and reinforcing things you know i like a lot of people i've read some like self improvement self help books in the past and stuff like that um but like putting that kind of stuff in your life on a regular basis like when i would even just drive the kids to school and then have time in my car Yeah, I got like audiobooks from people like Jack Canfield or Tony Robbins or Brené Brown. And even just 15 or 20 minutes a day just listening to those books on, you know, on the audio or reading one or just keeping positive messages around. Mm-hmm. You don't it's not like you just learn a lesson once and you're good for life. Like <laughs> you <have to> because <laughs> we'll revert, we'll regress, you know. You have to keep reminding yourself of these lessons you've learned and these things and you have to reinforce those things you've learned or you'll get away from them and So I think putting kind of putting together a life, you know, a life plan or where you're constantly doing that so you remember where you should be focused and not lose that focus is huge. And for me in particular, it was huge. One of the biggest things I did and I had to make time to do it, but I did was writing the book I wrote because that book's all about, you know, our life, our background, what we went through with our cancer battle and how I dealt with her passing and her death. You know, and it, as much as that may all sound sad to some people, people tell me constantly the book's filled with a lot of humor because that's how we had a lot of humor in our relationship. We had a really yeah. we weren't perfect though, so it's also honest about some like marital turmoil we had and stuff. But my point is like writing the book and going through and dealing with things and not not trying to ignore it or hide it or bury it. But mm-hmm. I took it on head on by writing the book. And you know a lot of people even tell me it's a very positive and uplifting book despite the fact that it's got tragedy in it. But you know dealing with that, you know whether and you don't have to write a book obviously, but But that that's part of life, right? Tragedy right. it's also part of life. That's what makes us grow. That's what makes make us evolve. Right. Doing anything whatever it is for you whether it's going and getting counseling or maybe journaling or whatever it is for you to deal with those things, put them at the forefront, acknowledge them, admit them. you know and deal with them and i do you, I, i did that to the max <laughs> yes and but do, yeah. do you consider do you consider the writing of the books uh, ordinarily extraordinary as your catharsis and your way towards healing by turning that tragedy into triumph oh absolutely i mean i think it ended up being that more than i even realized it would when i started it like by far like, i knew it would be a little bit and part of it like you you talked about in the intro i wanted to be a writer since i was a kid this is actually the third book i've written in my life complete it that's the first one i published and i've wanted to be a writer for my whole life pretty much in years um so this has been a huge goal of mine but but writing this book part of it i just wanted to share the story and i wanted to share it for our kids and i thought it could help other people but the yeah the extent to which it became a catharsis for me and the extent to which it's helped other people has just gone far beyond anything i ever expected it to i've just got so much positive feedback it's just helped me deal with things on such a level i never even realize it would it's just been an incredibly positive experience 
And do you, do, do, did you actually saw the books as your also your way to honor Melanie and to kind of like keep her essence alive at the same time? Oh, absolutely. Because see, now this really okay. Melanie's mom also died of breast cancer, and mm. mom died when she was on, when Melanie was only nine years old, and it was a huge thing in Melanie's life, especially as she got older and she wanted to know more about her mom. <clears throat> and okay. uh, we would sometimes go back to family and it's kind of funny how people are <laughs> she, she would literally go back to family and ask them like tell me stories about my mom or tell me more about them and they really wouldn't tell her that much and it was very you know her she has one sister Stephanie and her and Stephanie were both kind of doing this and it, it was really frustrating for them that they had so much trouble learning more about their mom so that was a huge part of it for me to keep her memory alive again first and foremost for our kids But also, like, Melanie was an incredibly tremendous person. She's one of those, I used to joke around that I have four friends and she has 4,000 friends. Like, people <laughs> loved her and everyone, so many people knew her and called her, her best, their best friend. It's amazing how many people said Melanie was their best friend. It's like, how can you even keep up with that many friends? <laughs> But yeah, keeping that, that example she led by you know mm -hmm. for, and sharing stories about her so our kids would know more about her when they're older and seeing the struggle she had of knowing more about her mom was yeah absolutely a huge huge motivation in doing it no and i'm i'm also uh, a single parent also myself and i'm a mother of two i know that raising children is not a small responsibility at all let alone raising four children on, on your own and i know you did have the help also of your communities you have the little surroundings that you have around you as as your as a dad what is your parenting style and how would you describe your relationship with your children Um, you know, I really do, like I was saying earlier about just filling them with self-esteem and confidence. I really just try to live in the moment and have fun for the most part. I mean, I sometimes feel like we're all going to fail our kids in some way, right? I mean, it'd be naive or just crazy to think we're going to be perfect parents. I know I'm not going to be perfect. But, you know, it, it's actually sort of a conscious decision that if I'm going to err, if I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to err on the side of loving them. I'm going to err on the side of making them feel loved. So sometimes, you know, my kids don't get that into sports and activities. And, and sometimes, I, you know, because I was huge into sports as a kid. I still I still love them. And sometimes I'm almost shocked. I'm like, how are you my kids? <laughs> not crazy about sports. But, you know, I feel like, you know, for learning teamwork and just being part of things and the friendships you build with it, along with learning a little bit about competition and pushing yourself, they don't get into it that much and I don't push them. And sometimes I feel like in my failing them that I'm not challenging them more. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't want to push them into things they're going to do that are just going to maybe hurt their confidence because they don't do well at it or, you know, this and that. And then they're like mad at me that I made them do it. And so, you know, that's a really hard decision. I'm still not sure that I'm necessarily doing it the best or doing the right decision. But, but again, if I'm, if I'm going to make a mistake, I'm always going to make a mistake on the, on the side of, loving them making them feel loved you know so i try to just live in the moment and enjoy the time i have with them because i also realize i've seen so many times in so many places not only my own life but in like i have you know multiple brothers and sisters and seeing how they've been with their kids because a lot of them are older than me and i realize like you know the kids are going to be up and gone before you know it my oldest is now 15 You know, oh wow you have a teenager <laughs> yeah in a couple more years you know he's going to be taken off for college or wherever and you know like you're not going to be with them forever so 
it's also like love them and enjoy the time you have with them while you have it. And sometimes that's harder to do than it sounds because then, yes. you're trying to get work done and they're asking you for something. You're like, get away, I'm working. <laughs> and, and, and you know, the, the thing also is because what, what we don't realize, like as we are raising children, we are also growing with them. Right. Because we are we are learning along the way. Because just because just like this, just because you become a parent doesn't really mean that you have it all figured out. Because you haven't experienced that before, and everything's gonna be a first step, a first disperse that all the time. All the stages they they're going through in their lives, you are going to learn while you're in the process with them at the same time. So and be, and now I get better understanding of that because I'm a parent myself. That's when I'm like, oh my god, when I look from years later from the things where I used to be angry at my parents for, and then like be mad or inconsiderate about certain things and then now i realize oh my god they had no idea at some point what they were doing they were learning along with me and growing with me and they were doing the best they can with the best they knew how to and i think as parents that's what we are trying to do for 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 our children so after because i know in the book you uh spoke candidly and like you said you use humor to talk about things to repress to express emotion you even go to places where that could have made some people uncomfortable like you said and even thinking of you like as somebody that isn't considerate or being a jerk or whatsoever and i know you you never thought of opening up and and let people in into into those vulnerabilities especially you know because i know men tend to keep for themselves because you are learned to just be tough men's not supposed to feel men's not supposed to 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 say this or to do that but then you went there and then instead because you were hoping people were going to have a a, a negative reaction or uh, a, a negative approach to it but instead people were thanking you for how real and truthful that was after facing the love and anger the life and the death how were you able to find the hope and inspiration and what was that process was like that led you there Oh man, and, you know it's just so many things. But again, it's it's just it's focusing and it's remembering. Like you know, like one of the things right after Melanie died, and this was a huge, huge moment. Was <clears throat> literally we're in the ICU, and she had just passed away, and I'm in there with her. And but there's about a dozen friends and family around, and I walked out into the hallway after about 10 minutes and let some other people step in to kind of say their goodbyes and see her and. Um, I'm just standing there and I'm like just overwhelmed. I mean, obviously I'm devastated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I realized 24 to 48 hours earlier, we didn't know she was passing. Wow. The end came. We knew she was having struggles, but, you know, I still thought we have at least a few years together, whatever. The end came very quickly when it came. And standing there and I'm just like, you know, just obviously crushed, devastated. And I'm, I'm scared. So I'm like, start thinking, like, what am I going to do? I now have four kids raised and you know all these thoughts and that 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 must have been frightening at first oh yeah and I mean, you know and right at the moment my focus was kind of about me and being sad and everything else and one of our friends walked up to me and just kind of goes oh Patty my people call me Patty it's kind of my nickname she goes oh, Patty you know what are we going to do and she wasn't being negative or whatever she was just expressing what we were all feeling mm-hmm. but when I heard someone else say it out loud it like triggered something in me in that very moment I realized like for me for our kids for our family for everybody our friends like we're not gonna live sad you know and we're not gonna just sit there and dwell on this and feel sorry for ourselves and I thought 
you know, right from here on, we got to set a positive tone. And it's what Melanie would want because she loved life. She had so much fun in life. And so right off the bat, it was like, okay, whatever it takes, you know, just got to take the good with the bad and have realistic expectations. Everything's not going to go well, but don't dwell on the bad. Don't sit around and be one of those people who sits around being poor me. You know, why am I so unlucky? Why did this happen to us? If I, st- I mean, not that those questions wouldn't pop into my head once in a while, because mm-hmm. you can't help some of the thoughts and feelings that overcome you at times, but you can control what you do with them and you can make the choices where you go. And so yes. Some- and and yeah. also until you find yourself in the situation, you want, you don't know how you're going to deal with it. Right. Totally. Yeah. But I think the focus on just thinking whenever I did realize and find myself doing that, I'd just be like, okay, stop it focus on the positive you know be grateful for the years we did have together these four awesome kids she left me with (laughs) who show so much of her spirit and excuse me but you know just move forward in life and do constructive things and that was part of the motivation again for writing the book and bringing all this out and sharing the story and you know the positive parts of it and the uplifting parts of it and you know just continue and that's again why I talked earlier in this about reminding and reinforcing yourself you know, all the time through whatever ways you can, because it's a, it's, it's an effort to do it. You got to, you know, you got to actually set yourself up in life with, with the means and kind of the structure, you know, and the, Mm -hmm. to to keep, to keep that focus. So you can't just, it's not like a choice you just make once and that's it, you're done. (laughs) You know, it's a, it's a choice to live your life that way of, of finding ways to focus on the positive and, you know, and it's a choice. It's a choice you make for yourself. Yes. And, and as, as a father, what are the main values that you wish to install in your children? Yeah, you know, uh, I think kindness and respect. I think we undervalue kindness in our society. Too many people think life's all about being competitive and being the tough guy and taking charge and being the leader. And But, you know, kindness goes so far and respect for others. And yeah, there are times like somebody doesn't deserve kindness, but most people do most of the time. And I think focusing on that and realizing Again, live in the moment, have fun, you know, love other people. I'm, I'm constantly trying to remind my kids, especially when they start fighting each, each other, like, I'll tell them, like, you know, remember, your brother here is the one who's going to have your back 20 years from now when you need some help, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And just teaching them, like, be kind, don't hurt other people, you know. And, and so I think respect and kindness and also love and having fun in life, like, just those things over and over again you know, are are the things I really just try to keep focusing on. Yes. And after all of that and all the things that you, the faces that you went through, uh, the emotions, the loss and all of it, is there anything as a man and as a father that you know now that you wish you knew then? Wow. I mean, so many things. (laughs) Sometimes I still wish I knew now what I know now. (laughs) Now, um, You know, I think a lot of things I've talked about and I think, you know, again, just having that focus because I went through a lot of periods of my life where I felt Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm just one of those people who just doesn't get lucky or one of those people things don't work out for. And, you know, I used to kind of have a more negative outlook on life. And I almost don't like the word positive. Like the word positive is like people are always telling you, oh, be positive, be positive, focus on being positive. And you can't be like after Melanie died. I didn't feel positive for quite a long time. You know, I went through months of grieving and it didn't feel good. And But that's okay. But the point mm-hmm. is, positive is more the result. You know, that's more what you're going to feel from the result. I I would tell people the thing you really need to focus on is being constructive. 
Wow. Being like formative, developmental, constructive in your life. Like if you keep doing things, you don't have to feel good about it sometimes to do it, right? Like, but if you keep focusing on doing something good with yourself, you know, in your life and, and making it better, even when you're not feeling happy, you know, positive in terms of feeling happy. Or this is it, is it, would you say, is it best to say it optimistic? I would say optimistic, but sometimes, you know, even I'd say, you don't, you're not always feeling optimistic. Feeling optimistic. <laughs> you can still say like, you know what, I don't like where I'm at. I don't like what I have to do, but this is what I have to do. But I also know, and that's why I use the word constructive, because I know mm -hmm. by doing this, I'm going to get out of this place I'm in now, and it's not always going to be this way, and I'm going to get to a better place, where once I get to that better place, I will be more positive. And get, don't get me wrong, I have nothing against the words like positive and optimistic. So would, would you say that you were more realistic in the situation? Yeah, I would say that's a huge part of it. Being realistic, understanding like nobody's going to have a perfect life. There's no way you can do anything that you're not going to have troubles, but then don't let them overwhelm you. And that's where, you know, I'd say you keep being constructive. You just keep doing things to make your life better. You know, even when you're going through the times where you don't feel as good or you're sad or, you know, you're mourning the loss of someone. But you can always just keep doing things that are going to bring you to a better place. And that's that's why I focus more on the work constructive. And, you know, and, that, and, and in a sense, there there is optimism in that. And, and I have nothing against that word, but it's just the proper focus. I think sometimes when you're not feeling good or whatever, it's just to realize I can always be constructive. No yes, which which is totally normal right. for what you experience, and which is totally natural. It's it, it's human to feel like this, and I think uh, most of the time we have to give ourselves credits when we are in situation emotionally, when we have to deal emotionally with things, because the, the pain we cannot see, it, we can only feel it. So it's it's a different process for for everyone, and it takes time, different times for everyone. So we don't have to 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 be going about things with the same rhythms and the same approach. But you do what works for you, and the approach that was work for you is that along the way even when you there were moments that you felt like overwhelmed you felt like giving up you never you, you you had reason to hold on and that was making sure that your children were safe and you provide for them you protect them and then you take care of them therefore you had to put yourself in the back seat even though you were the one leading but you have to make sure they were a priority for you So I have one last question for you. What do you normally do for fun to bond with your children? And do you have any plans for Father's Day? <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually don't really have any plans for Father's Day. I don't know if they sort of do or anything like that, but um, nothing specific. But, you know, for fun, we just we're always trying to do activities. We're not the like sit around the house kind of people. Because of the situation, we've had to be a little more lately, like everybody has, not only because of COVID, but just other stuff. Yeah. It's always been one to like just get out and go to the pool, go to the zoo, go here, you know, just get out and do something. And, you know, even if it's just like there's a park near, not far from our house, we call it the animal park. It's like you drive through and there's like buffalo and deer and stuff and you see all these animals and they love to just drive through the park. So we'll just go out and do like the little drive through the park or You know, just doing something, getting out and just spending some time together, or maybe some nights like watching a movie together, but but making it a priority to just, you know, always be spending some time every day together and just playing around and goofing around and, you know, whatever. You know, the younger ones, like my youngest son is still, he loves to be tickled and tickle and goof around and jump <laughs> with them. Yeah, you can't really tickle the 15-year-old anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but just having fun with them in whatever way you can, you know, just having different activities you do together, going to the pool or whatever it is, you know. Um, and then finding other people, like I said earlier in this thing about getting help. 
sometimes finding other people to do that find someone else to take them to the pool and get some time for yourself but you know just that they're still having good positive experiences enjoying life and having fun you know not sitting around sad and moping about oh we lost our mind you know yes no, don't don't let them dwell on the bad stuff and don't dwell on it yourself right okay but would you say that like they they are actually taking it well what are the process from yours like how do they deal with that yeah i was actually stunned how well they did we were also in a group called you mentioned in the intro called camp kesem which is a, a, a national-wide organization that helps kids who have a parent with cancer and so it, it's really neat because it's actually free for the families they do that through donations But we're, it's run out of colleges and universities all over the country, and we're in the St. Louis U chapter. And I learned a lot from Camp Kesson because they have a focus where, like, they have a week-long summer camp every year. And they really have a focus where they don't sit around and talk about, oh, my parent has cancer. Like, they just go out and do fun activities. And they make it fun, and they show kids, like, life can still be fun, and we're going to go out here. You know, they have one night a week, they have, like, a little, what they call an empowerment ceremony where they do talk about the stuff. But, you know, in other words, 90% of the time they're having fun, and 10% of the time maybe they're talking about it. And so they're not burying it and hiding it, but they're not yeah. And, like, I kind of looked at their example and thought, that's the same way we need to be. Like, if my kids want to say something, or I'll ask them once in a while, how are you feeling, or you miss your mom, but... We don't sit there and dwell on it. Like we t always turn it back to a positive, remember a good memory about her, you know, and just keep like enjoying our lives and, and trying to have that kind of focus where it's like, don't hide from it, but don't dwell on it either. Okay. Would you say that like you, you can see them deal with it differently or there's similarities in how they process it? Yeah, there's some, there's definitely differences. Every kid's different. You know, my daughter wanted to talk about stuff more after she passed and she would almost get mad at her brothers that they didn't talk about it as much but you know there, there's differences there the youngest one's almost too young to even understand what's going on because he was only four years old when she passed mm. and you know he knows it happened but it's like you know it's so different for him than it is you know the oldest one he's 15 now and I think he yeah I still try to push him once in a while to talk about it actually because he's one of those I think he kind of buries it a little and doesn't talk about it enough but, mm -hmm. but he has some but I, I think I'd almost like him to open up a little more and, you know, but um, they, they're all different about it, but they, they, and I think again, because of like the positive influence they had from Camp Kesson, which is another reason to get help and get them involved in things because they can learn a lot from other people, not just you. <laughs> and a lot <laughs> of other people can help them and not just you too. And that's what's happened in our life. But I think all those experiences and those ways we've handled it have just helped them. And yeah, they all deal with it different, but I've been shocked They, they've all dealt with it way better than I expected them to when it first happened. And that's something to be grateful for. Wow. And what, what advice would you give other dads out there who might, who might go similar situation or who are also struggling in certain areas or even if they are grieving or having similar, um, uh, similar circumstances, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think a lot of the advice would just be recapping things we already talked about. I think, like, number one, I think especially a lot of dads and men don't do enough. It's just getting help. You know, get out there. Don't be afraid to ask for help. It doesn't mean you're not good enough to handle it or too weak. It's like, you know, like the old phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. They, they don't learn everything and get everything from you. That's just crazy to think. You know, they learn a lot from other people, whether it's teachers or other family members throughout their life. And, and that's okay. It should be that way, you know. So I, I'd say, you know, getting helps, again, simplifying your life. Like I talked about earlier, there's 
there's no reason to create any unnecessary stress in your life yeah stuff and yeah and, and again i think it's a huge thing is to keep reminding and reinforcing all these lessons like you know get some self-help books whether you get audio books or something or you know find some websites you can subscribe to that send you like daily affirmations in your email and read them and whatever it is that works for you get counseling if you need it you know at, reach out to friends family you know all these things put together create a pattern that that'll really sustain you and help you deal with things better and don't be afraid to do any of it wow thank you so much well that's all the time we have for the interview today so thank you so much mr long for being so generous with your precious time and for allowing me to experience your light during the interview today i wish you all the best and i really want to invite my listeners and fellow students of life to get a copy of your book ordinarily extraordinary which is a captivating true story that gives a rare and unique perspective of a surviving husband and father in a beautiful fully uplifting story of love anger life and death and hope and inspiration so this information will also be available on mr long uh, website which is www.patrickplong.com where they can also find the information about the book and also they can connect with you on social media and along that all the links on how to become a supporter of the show will be available in the description so thank you very much everyone for tuning in for your love and support stay tuned for more episodes to come happy father's day see you all next time and thank you very much again mr long thank you this has been awesome i really appreciate it thank you have a good day you too thank you bye-bye bye